Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Word, I, I want to stop and just acknowledge all our graduates, all the graduates that have graduated from CWC this past uh, year, that, that have uh, here in 2017, uh, from college, from those from high school, uh, those that have been promoted as well, all the different graduates. We just want to, come on, give them all a round of applause. really proud of all our graduates as they begin to move higher and move on to different levels and so forth and uh, especially really proud of uh, Masael uh, who has uh, graduated from college that is awesome I also want to wish a happy birthday to uh, Marty happy birthday Marty God bless you celebrating her 21st birthday you know <laughs> amen we're going to get into the Word this morning, and uh, as you turn your Bibles with me to the book of John, uh, it's called a book, but in reality, it's just more of a letter that John, one of the followers of Christ, who uh, many theologians say was probably about a teenager when he began to write this, he was, or begin to follow Jesus. He's an old man by the time he sits down and begins to pen these words that uh, people begin to come up with all these stories about Jesus that were offline. And so John writes the Gospel of John to kind of set some things straight. He kind of to get people in order on what the things Jesus really did. And so as you turn your Bibles to John chapter 5, I want you to say pursue. We're, we're going to be speaking about pursuing. In life, people are running after so many things. We're running after relationships, running after finances, running after success, running after, uh, you know, our degrees, our education, trying to get a house, trying to get a car, uh, trying, to, trying to find significance, trying to find that husband, that wife. And people are running after, pursuing so many things that we, we get so busy running that we never really realize what we're running after. And what, one of the things, uh, I look at people today, and I look at our, we, we have a, uh, a pit bull. She's a rescue dog. And that dog will chase anything. I'm telling you, she takes off after any, and she barks at everything. In the backyard, I mean, and we, we bring her into the garage when we work out, and there's flies in the garage, and she's jumping up and down trying to catch the fly, just doing some crazy old flips trying to grab. Then we take her in the backyard. She's running after squirrels. She's barking at, at dogs. She's, I mean, she's just everywhere. She drives me crazy. It's sitting there quiet, and then out of nowhere, she just starts barking. She's running after everything, but she catches nothing. And many times in our lives, when we're running after so many things, it's hard to focus in on things. And this morning, I want you to see, as you stand with me to John chapter 5, stand to your feet as we read. John tells a story about Jesus coming into Jerusalem. And it says this, soon after the, soon another feast came around and Jesus was back in Jerusalem. Near the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem, there was a pool in, in Hebrew called Bethesda. What was it called? Bethesda. Now, it says this. With five alcoves, now alcoves literally mean porches, little, little areas of shade that they had around this pool. Hundreds of sick people, blind, crippled, paralyzed, were in these alcoves. How many people are there? Hundreds. Come on, church, how many people are there? Hundreds. Hundreds. 
And look at the condition of these people, blind, paralyzed, and lame. It goes on when it says, one man, how many men? One man who had been invalid there for 38 years. Come on, somebody. He's not 38 years old. His sickness is 38 years. His bad marriage is 38 years. His financial struggle is 38 years. His depression is 38 years. His struggle is 38 years. And when Jesus saw him stretched out by the pool and he knew how long he had been there, he said, do you want to get well? My question to you, CWC, this morning is, do you want to get well? Bow your heads with me as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want you to take a look at John chapter 5, verse 1. What what do you notice? Another what came around? Uh, Read read the word. Stop stop yelling things out. What did you say? A man. Huh? You got a husband. Come on. What are you talking about? What's the word say? Another what? Feast. Another man? Where do you get a man from feast from? I said, you're a pastor too. Come on. You should be better than that. Come on. Everybody just stretch your hands out to his pastor to you right now. So another what comes around? Feast. Feast. Now, in the Jewish community, this is important, okay? The Jewish community had a lot of feasts, a lot of celebrations to commemorate what God did in the past to look forward to what he would do in the future. Say it again, Pastor. God did establish these feasts so that you would remember what he did in the past so you could trust God to move in the future. These feasts were established for people to to look, to to celebrate the Passover, to celebrate the coming out of Egypt, to to celebrate the, the, the harvest. They would do these things to remember what God did yesterday in hopes of what God will do for you in the future. And many of us forget what God did yesterday, so when you go through a crisis, you don't realize that God's able to set you free. And so it's important to remember what God did yesterday. And that's why, listen, parents, it's important to develop memorials for your own household. That the, when God healed your marriage, when God brought you through that financial struggle, we always tell our kids for, about the struggles that we went through financially and how God provided. We establish these memorials so I can tell my kids, look back at what God did for what God will do for you in the future as well. Somebody say Amen. And so I I want you to understand something. I I need you, and I'm not here just to preach a word. Preaching a word just declares things. I'm here to prophesy to you this morning. I'm here to create a new awareness in your life in the future. I'm here to create a new future in your life right now. And I'm here to tell you right now that your famine is over. You're not, some of you are clapping, but you're not getting it. Your famine is over. It's time for feasting is about to start right now. Your time of blessing, the time of spreading out the table, a time of celebration, no more having to just struggle to get by. You are about to walk into a time of feasting in your life. Your famine, somebody say, my famine is over. Now, now I want you to see what's going on. It's at a time of feasting. Jesus shows up in Jerusalem, and he comes by a place called the Sheep Gate. Everyone say Sheep Gate. Now, I want you to understand what the importance of the sheep gate is. The, the, 
the, the Israelite or, or the Jewish community operated under a sacrificial system, okay? And that sacrificial system needed sheep in order to accomplish that. And when they would, they would kill or when they would sacrifice a sheep, they did so in order to restore relationship with God, to pay for their sin, all right? Now, the sheep gate was established because they did not want to end up having all these sheep in the middle of Jerusalem on the streets. So what they did is the city founders created what was called the sheep gate. And that sheep gate became the entryway from the pasture into the city to bring the sacrifice from the pasture into the city of Jerusalem. Now, in going right next to that gate was this pool. And this pool was established there because this was the last place that most of these sheep stopped before they went to sacrifice. It was a place of refreshing. It was a place they stopped to drink, a place that they would wash themselves up, get cleaned up before they went to the temple. Now, it was important that they had this. It was that pathway. Now, it was also a place uh, called Bethesda. The word Bethesda, understand this means grace or mercy. They stopped at the place of grace and mercy before they went to pay to the temple to give their lives. Now, I, I need you to get this. The, the, the Greek word for grace and mercy also means shame or disgrace. Now, now you're like, well, that sounds a little bipolar. <laughs> follow, follow me on this. Grace or mercy or disgrace and shame. Why is that important? The difference is, what's the difference between grace and shame is how we live. Now, I I want you to understand, when we don't live according to the way God created us to be, we bring shame on who God is. Say it again, Pastor. When, When my marriage is falling apart, when my finances are messed up, when my mind isn't where it's supposed to be, when I'm walking in depression, when I'm always sick, when I'm always down, when I'm always messed up, what ends up happening? This pool that was supposed to be a place of of grace and mercy became a place of shame and disgrace because it's filled with people that are blind, lame, and paralyzed. And every time they walk by this place of grace and mercy, All you saw was shame and disgrace because it was filled with people that had not received their breakthrough. And every time they would walk through as the sacrifices are going on, they're seeing all this multitude of people and people thinking, man, God must not be very good. Because look at the condition of these people. And follow me on this. That's why the enemy tries so hard to keep you in sickness depression, doubt, despair. Because when people, especially of the world, see you, and they see you struggling with the same things they are, they look at us and think, well, your God must not be very good because look at your situation. And what's supposed to be a place of hope and, and grace and mercy becomes disgraceful. Now, now I'm, I, I, I'm going to mess with some of you. I'm going to step on some toes right now. Listen. I don't want to be successful. I'm just trying to get through in life. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But what am I talking about? Do you understand that your success isn't about your comfort? It's about his glory? 
Because when you're successful, people see you and they see, they look at you and think, how did you go from depression to freedom, from addiction to breakthrough, from a broken marriage to wholeness? How did you accomplish that? How are you driving in that car? How are you living in that house? How did you get that level of education? You shouldn't be there based on your past. You shouldn't be where you're at today. That addiction, that abuse that you went through should have eliminated you from breakthrough in your life. I'm here to tell you that when you get close to grace and mercy, it has the ability to transform. It's not about your comfort. It's about his glory. You got to stop settling in life. It's time to reach to new levels. Troy, that's why I'm so proud of you, man, reaching forward, man, to try going, breaking through addiction, to see where you're at today, the things that are going on in your life. Because someone looks at you with your wife, who who you guys were estranged at one time, see you guys together now, and they're they're scratching their head. God gets glory. That's what it's all about. It's about that breakthrough. And so I I want you to to just get, why would all these Lame, paralyzed, and blind people gather there at Bethesda, at the grace and mercy. Because according to tradition, that pool, every so often, the water would be stirred. And when the water was moved, the first person to get into the water was healed. So it was believed that an angel would stir the water, and the first person that got in the water, it was like a spiritual lottery. That, you know, everyone's hanging out there waiting for the wheel to spin. And first person, when they see the water move, they jump in. And if they got in there, they were healed. Now, if you're well enough to jump in, you probably didn't need the healing like someone else did. Well, come on. You, you hear what I'm saying? If you, if you could see the water stirred, then you weren't blind. If you had the strength to jump in before everyone else, you weren't lame. If you had the ability to get beyond everyone else and get to the water, you weren't paralyzed. You either had to have someone that had sight watching and ready to push you in the water. Or you really didn't need the healing that bad. And they gathered there for one reason, because there was hope. Why do we come to church every week? Why do we gather in this place? Because there's hope. We have people that are blind, that are lame, that are paralyzed in their life. And we gather here today because we have a hope that somehow God's going to show up. And I'm not going to have to deal with that stuff any longer. That's why we gather because of hope. Now this man in the midst of all this sea of sickness and this this sea of of just depression is one man that is invalid. Everyone say invalid. That word in the Greek means weakness, sickness, distress, lack of strength. It's the total opposite of power. He has no ability to move. Now, when you're invalid, you can't move. You're you're kind of bedridden. And here's this guy in this condition, 38 years in this condition. He's invalid. Now, some people can look at that and say, well, doesn't that, isn't that invalid? There's many people that feel invalid as well. They feel like their lives don't count, that they're not, they're not worth anything. I'm here to, I want you to understand. Look at the environment with me right now, okay? Take a look at the environment. We got blind people, which means there's, let's not just talk about the physical condition, 
You ever been around someone that has no vision for life? That's depressing. How about someone that's lame? Someone that never has any strength to progress. I, I, remember, I remember back in the day, I used to have people always tell me, you know what, man, my old friends are always there for me. It's because they never left where they were at. That's why your friends are always there for you. You know where to find them. They haven't moved on. They're still in that same place. I remember I, I played football here at this school. And I remember one time coming back, I had gone to Bible college, got married. We came back here. Uh, it, was, it was on Christmas time. I went to get something for my dad. And we were standing in line. And I look up a few, few individuals in front of me. And there's one of my friends from high school wearing his football jersey, talking about the people around him, still in his football jersey. I had kids in there. And he's still wearing And it was a Friday. He was like, right, we're going to get together. We're going to party tonight, man. We got a few kegs. You know, he was in the same place I left him when I got out of high school lame still laying in the same place hasn't progressed then you got the paralyzed the disconnected now I love what Jake T.D. Jakes talks about that paralyzation is a disconnect between the head and the body where the, the head has the ability to communicate, but the body has no ability to, to respond. There's a nerve damage between the head and the body. So when the, body, when the head says to do something, the body can't respond. Your muscles are okay. Your, 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 your physical health is okay. There's a disconnect between the head and the body. I need you to understand that many of us are paralyzed because the head of the church, Christ, speaks to us through the word, but we can't respond because there's a disconnect between the head and the body. So you see this condition, man. Now, how many people are there in this place? Hundreds. Blind, lamed, paralyzed. So you got to understand, with hundreds of people in the heat around this pool, if you have to go to the bathroom and you're paralyzed... Just go. You're lame. No one's taking you to the restroom. Are you following me? You imagine the funk that's in the air around this pool. You imagine the, the, the smell, the, the filth that's going on, the hopelessness. And yet this man for 38 years had the tenacity to keep showing up. Every day for 38 years showed up. What if he would have said this, man, I keep showing up and nothing's happening. I'm not going today. And that was the day Jesus showed up. I'm here to tell you that some of you just keep showing up. It may be hard to show up, but keep showing up. Keep showing up on your marriage. Keep showing up for your kids. Keep showing up for your job. Keep showing up at school. Don't give up. Keep showing up because you never know. Breakthrough can't happen if you don't show up. All you need is to show up. And for some of you, it's just showing up. Just keep showing up, and God will make a way. Now, I want you to see what I need you to understand. Why do we come here? We come here because of hope. Listen, CWC has to be a place of hope. 
This has to be a place of hope where you hope that you come here and you hope for God to move. You hope for a breakthrough to take place. You hope for God to do something. But in the midst of this hopelessness, someone say hopelessness. In the middle of the hopelessness, Jesus walks in. Come on, somebody. Jesus walks in. Now, I'm going to mess with your theology in a moment, okay? God pursues him. God goes after this man. 38 years he's been in this condition. And God shows up. Look at verse 6 of chapter 5. When Jesus saw him stretched out by the pool, he knew how long he had been there. Now, I want you to understand something this morning. God sees you. No, you, you didn't hear. God sees where you're at right now. God sees your struggle. God sees your battle. God sees your trouble. He knows your crisis. God sees you, and he already knows what you're going through. You don't have to cry out to him. You don't have to complain to him. When God shows up, he already sees you, and he already knows. Somebody say amen. Now, now, this is where I'm going to mess with you for a bit here, okay? Now, uh, Sam, you're falling asleep there. I'll just have you fall asleep over here instead, bro. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. He's, a, he's awake. Come here. Come lay up here. Got a man, 38 years old, invalid, can't move, laying next to the pool. Waiting for the pool to be stirred. How many people are in this place? Come on. How many? Hundreds. Hundreds. Blind, lame, paralyzed. And Jesus comes in. And when Jesus comes in, what does he do? Excuse me. Sorry. Pardon me. Excuse me. Uh, Sorry. Sorry. Uh, Excuse me. Oh, sorry, bro. Excuse me. Uh, excuse me. Oh, David, how you doing? There? Excuse me, bro. Uh, yeah, it's okay. You you all right? Uh, there's there's your book. Thank you, sir. Excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, oh, excuse me. Pardon me. Excuse me. Jesus is stepping all over, blind, paralyzed and lame people to get to one. Why didn't he heal them? Why go through all that to get to one person? Why this guy? What was so special about him that Jesus passes all these other people that had the same need and he goes through all of them to get to one? I'm here to tell you, why did Jesus go through what he went through to get to you? Why me? I didn't even know I needed God when God found me. I didn't even realize I was lost when God found me. Why did God go through what he went through to get to you? Because he loved you. And this man had an appointment with God, not even realizing it. To him, it was just another. So you might just think today's just another day, but you got an appointment with God. Jesus comes through everyone, and he comes to him. This guy's totally distracted right here. Hey, what's up? How you doing? 
What are you covering for? The light. The light. Because I'm bright. It's the glory of God that's on my life. I'm Jesus, that's why. Why this guy? Why you? Then Jesus tells him, hey, you winking at me? Put your hands down. Look at me. Do you want to be made well? You don't read the word, do you? <laughs> Bible says that that word well literally means to be instantly put back together, whole, healthy, unbroken, instantly, not, not a progression, put back together immediately. And so God asked him, there's only two options. Do you want to be made well? This is a yes or no question. This is a, that there's only two ways to answer this question. But when this man responds... I'm correct you biblically here, okay? The sick man said, Sir, when the water is stirred, I don't have anybody to put me in the water or in the pool. By the time I get there, somebody else is already in. I need you. What he's doing is this. He said, let me tell you why I can't get healed. How many times every Sunday from this platform you have words of hope being spoken to you, questions about you being made whole of your marriage, of your mind, of your finances, of your body, about being put back together. And instead of walking out of here whole, we walk out with excuses. Well, pastor, let me tell you why I can't be made whole. I I, I don't have anyone. I'm all alone. I'm not married. I'm married. It's my husband. It's my wife. It's my kids. I'm friendless. You know what? I'm too late. I'm too slow. I'm too weak. I'm divorced. I'm not educated enough. I'm brown. I'm white. I'm black. I'm purple. I'm green. I'm yellow. I'm, I'm, I'm too young. I'm too old. And we come up with all these excuses why we can't. And he chose to find fault rather than freedom. Listen to me this morning. Many of you are not where you're at. You didn't get there by yourself. Let's be straight, good or bad. You didn't get where you're at by yourself. You didn't get this attitude towards God by yourself. Something happened in your life that messed you up towards your attitude toward God. You know what, you didn't get where you're at right now because maybe that molestation, maybe that divorce, maybe that that addiction, something puts you in the place that you're in right. And you're sitting here like this man saying, you know what, it's not my fault that I'm here. I don't have anyone. I have nobody to help me. And many of us feel in the same condition. It's not my fault I'm here. It's not my fault I was abandoned. It's not my fault I was molested. It's not my fault that I'm in this situation. You are right. It's not your fault that you got there, but it is your fault if you stay there. That's a problem. We are raising up a generation of excuse makers. All we do is make excuses instead of freedom. I love what Arnold said when he said, you can have results or excuses, but you can't have both. you got to make a choice. It's totally up to you, and I want you to understand something. Jesus, when he comes to him, you still here? Yep. Just making sure, man. 
You keep covering. Are you afraid to look at me? Stop winking at me, man. He asks him, do, do you want to be made well? And the man comes, the man never answers the question. You hear, he never answers the question. It's a yes or no question. You see, th- this, this is the thing I need you to understand. There's only one thing worse than being lame in your body. It's when you end up lame in your mind as well. It's when the sickness is no longer affecting your body, it's affecting your mind and your spirit and your faith as well. Troy, if you would help me. I want you to understand something, is that the disease no longer just affected his body, it affected his faith as well. And Jesus, notice this, Jesus doesn't have a debate with him, he doesn't argue with him, he doesn't come up with a theological debate, an understanding of what's going on. Jesus doesn't even deal with his doubt, doesn't deal with his excuse, doesn't come. Jesus pursues him, goes through the crowd, runs after him, finds him, and when he comes up with an excuse, notice what Jesus does. Verse 8. Jesus said, get up. Not yet. Get up. Take up your bed and walk. The man was healed on the spot, picked up his bedroll, then walked off. Did you hear me? I'm here to tell some of you right now, it's time your season of get up has come. I said your time to get up is here. That word get up means to wake up. It means to rise up. It literally means to rise from the dead. And some of us are in a comatose state right now spiritually. And God's saying right now it's time to rise up. It wasn't, it's a command. It wasn't a suggestion. Jesus said, this is not a condition. It's a choice. It's time for you to get up. And I'm here to tell you right now, it's time to stop complaining about your situation. And it's time now to rise up and get up in that situation. Then he tells them this, I want you to get up and I want you to take up. Jesus gives him the plan before the man even responds. You're going to get up, you're going to take up, and you're going to start walking. I want you to take up. You see, this man had a bed. He had a pad that he laid here on the ground. And in this pad, he had a place that he would make himself comfortable in his dysfunction. And many of us have made ourselves comfortable in our dysfunction. And Jesus says, you got to get rid of that thing that you're making yourself comfortable in. And we're, we're making ourselves comfortable in that depression, comfortable in that situation, comfortable in our lack of hope. It's time that we start getting a little uncomfortable. Amen. And start recognizing, I wasn't created to live like this. I was created for freedom. Come on, somebody. I'm speaking to someone this morning. That your time of break, breakthrough is here. And then he tells them this. After, after you get up, you take up, you're going you're gonna to move up. You're going to move on. You're going you're gonna to go forward. You're going to start living. You're gonna, it's time to start living. You're going to start stepping towards your, your purpose in life. It's not over. You are just starting your life right now. So Jesus comes to him. Do you want to be made well? Sir, I have no one. I don't care about that. Get up. Take up and rise up. And that's exactly what he does is he gets up and he responds. All he had to do was obey the voice of God. Just obey. 
And I'm here to tell you this morning that if you would just respond to the word of God, if you would respond to the word that's spoken, it doesn't say that he was healed and then he got up. It says that he obeyed. He just got up. Some of you are waiting for, a, for, for healing to take place. Take a step of faith today. Rise up. Take up. And move on. Rise up. Take up. Move on. Get up. Take up. And move on. Stop staying in your dysfunction. Rise up. Take up. And move on. Come on, stand to your feet this morning. First Thessalonians. Actually, 2 Thessalonians. As we close, capture this. This scripture is so important. Why? The Pool of Bethesda was a place of grace, the house of grace. Then the name of the Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live. Oh, come on, somebody. Your life has the ability. It's not a song. Worship isn't your song. It's your life. Then the name of the Lord will be honored because of the way you live. Dan, people are worshiping God because of the change in your life. It brings God glory. It says, and you will be honored. Wait, wait a minute. Me? Yeah, you. You'll be honored along with him. God will honor you when your life honors him. Come on, somebody. This is a promise right here. Some of you are waiting to get patted on the back. Acknowledge. God says this. Listen, if you live the right way, you'll honor me. But when you live the right way and I'm honored, I'll honor you. And then he says this. He says, then all this is all made possible because of, because of grace. Of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. It's grace. It's not what you do. It's what he's done. It's grace. Unmerited favor. God's already taken care of it. Everything's been done not because you're good, but because he's good. It's grace. And we're gathered right now at the pool of Bethesda. We're gathered at the house of grace right now. And it's his grace, it's his mercy that wants to show up in your life this morning. You don't receive freedom because you've done the right things. You receive freedom because God has already done the right thing. Stop trying to earn what can only be received through grace. And just receive it this morning. Get up. Take up. Start walking. Move on. Move away from that place now. Stop hanging around in that place of hope. You, you started coming because you had hope for breakthrough. And now you just come for the fellowship. You, you like hanging out with, with blind Billy over there or hanging out with lame Larry. You know, we, we, just, we just got a little thing going on here. We have our own little place where we just hang out. And you don't even come for healing anymore to church. You've given up hope about being set free. Then now you just come for the fellowship. 
hanging around at the pool just because there's other people like you there. That's not why we came. Jesus came to set you free. Let's raise our expectations. Everyone say, get up. You're here right now and you need to get up in your life. It's time to rise up from your situation. Lift your hand all over this place. Time to break out of my situation. I'm ready to break out of it. Yes, see those hands. Secondly, you recognize you've been getting comfortable in your situation, getting comfortable in your dysfunction, and you realize it's time to get some things up and stop making things so comfortable. If that's you, lift your hand as well. Yes, amen. Lastly, it's time to move on. It's time to progress. When's the last time you made progress in Christ? When's the last time you made progress in your walk with God? When's the last time you moved forward in your marriage and with your relationship with your children, educationally? When's the last time you moved forward? Are you making progress? If that's you and you know it's time to move on, lift your hand. If you're going through hell, don't stay there. Let's move on. Let's move on. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.